All right. Welcome. Here we are. We just did this. But it'll be different because it always is. So welcome to the Center for Spiritual Living. And we are here to remind you the truth of your being and who you are and whose you are. The mistake that we have all made is that we think we've done something wrong. And the only way we get to where we are right now is by doing those things so we understand better the things that work, the things that don't work. It's a journey of discernment. So, I've got a lot of, I think, very, very beautiful things to share with you. And it's my honor to, to construct that each week because it's, it's my monastery, you know. Provide some value. So anyway, oh, isn't that lovely? Um, We're going to um, dip in a little bit. I've got a couple of beautiful videos I want to show you today. I've got some, I think, some really impactful ideas that are rich and wonderful and beautiful and deserving of your palate, your spiritual palate of what you've ordered up. So what I'm going to invite you to do in this moment is join me in 30 seconds of silence. I will be the timekeeper on that because there's a clock there I can look at. Let's begin that, and then I will share a, uh, a song and a prayer. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So know with me, but as we know, I invite you to feel. Feel your heartbeat. Feel your feet on the floor. Feel the space between your shoulders. Feel the breath as you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Feel your lungs. The body, our physical body, is our subconscious mind. And the more awareness we can bring to it, we move into the unified field instantaneously. Because the busy mind slows. The busy mind is a busy mind. As you open your heart, feel your heart just relax. Let's take a moment to just relax into our hearts. Beautiful, I can feel it already. There's just a shift of energy. As, as you did it, it, it triggered my heart. So thank you. Allow your heart to be triggered, to relax. When our body relaxes, it knows what to do. So we're here today about trust. 
We're here today about possibility, opportunity. We're here about capturing the contagion of an optimistic and relentless optimism about life, of the future, of possibility, of healing and bringing awareness to not just this moment, because this moment is eternal in that unified field. It is endless and vast. It influences our past and our future, for there is no time in the unified field. So with that said, thank you for taking that journey with me. We're ready to pray now. We've done our invocation. There's one life, one power, one presence. That life is God or goddess, spirit, source. And that life, that vibration of being is who and what we are. You are, I am. So standing in the unified field and knowing that we are guided and directed in every good thing, if we are lingering in a question, lingering in some confusion, We surrender to that divine presence. We surrender to that relationship with the infinite in a powerful and beautiful way so that what I don't know I can say but something within me does know. And I trust that. I live there and I understand that I will know what I need to know when I need to know it. And so it has an opening now, an invitation. What would it feel like for me to be successful? What would it feel like for me to be abundant? What would it feel like for me to be extraordinarily healthy? What would it feel like to have an abundance of energy to do and think and be all the things that I am called to be? What would it feel like to fulfill what I have come here to be? Those open-ended questions guide us and, and tap into the cerebellum where all creativity, where that is tripwired for that information, for that intuition, for that communication. And so what I know in this moment, each and every one of us is guided and directed. There is one life, one power. That life is our life. That life is perfect. That life is God's life. And I claim it as my own once again. And in that claiming, each time I claim it, I am shifted and changed. And so I know for you as well, as we share this, my offering for you is to know this with you and for you as well. Even if it doesn't fit, let my words wash over you. This is not a responsibility or an obligation. This is an opportunity to partner in community, to partner in prayer and watch with awe and wonder the beautiful things that are seeking expression upon this planet. This is the tribe that I belong to. Wherever love is alive, I say yes. Wherever peace is alive, I say yes. Wherever wisdom is alive, I say yes. Wherever clarity of purpose is alive, I say yes. Wherever opportunities where people are breaking through limitations and obstacles in a new and powerful way, I say yes. That's for me, that's for you. For they are modeling for us possibility. They are part of who and what we are, for there is only one life. For this I give thanks, I give thanks for the beauty, for music, for the ability to move and breathe and see upon this beautiful planet. And so releasing these words in gratitude and appreciation, knowing they continue to work for us and through us, and all it requires is our agreement. So when I fall into doubt throughout the week, I can come back to this reminder and say, I agree to this. I remember I agree to it. Even though I don't remember the words, I remember the energy of it. And I go to my heart and I trigger it again. And I amplify it again. For this prayer is eternal, always alive. A gift to you, a gift to me. And it comes from spirit. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. All righty. So we're talking about courage. The courage to trust is the theme today. We are, I am the place where courage shows up. And there's a slide here by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Ralph Waldo Emerson was a a tremendous influence on Dr. Ernest Holmes. 
one of the great thinkers of, of his time, um, made quite a difference upon this planet and influenced many, many traditions, not just uh, science of mind. And Emerson wrote, whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there will always be someone to tell you that you're wrong. There are always difficulties arise and attempt you to believe your critics are right, to map out a course of action and to follow it. To an end requires some of the same courage that a soldier needs. And so life requires courage. There's a lot of things that happen to us and, and for us and around us that many times would, would make us feel like we're alone at times. So how do we live from that courage more effectively? How do we activate that and continue to grow that courage? So I wanted to talk today a bit about trust because it takes courage to trust, to trust ourselves, to trust our fellow man, how we establish that, how we can grow in that and deepen in that. So there are three ideas of, of focus today. The vault of trust, which comes from the beautiful work of, of Brene Brown. The trust, trust a foundational peace and what that can look like and what helps support that and trusting in life. So the vault of trice, trust uh, is inspired by a YouTube talk by Brene Brown and I have her book that I've been using throughout this, uh, this uh, focus of our, our sharing around this idea of trust and the anatomy of trust is the name of the, the TED Talk. And she talk, talks and expresses in this talk this idea of braving. And braving is an acronym. And each letter in the, the word braving represents a quality. So B in, in braving is boundaries. And she talks extensively about how important it is to have clear boundaries. What's mine, what's yours, all these things. And I'm not going to go through all seven today. But I wanted to focus on one that I think is key. And she said it's a, it's a, real, it's a big deal breaker. And because what, what we represent here is if we are the container of the infinite, if we are the thing itself, individualized as we talk about, and we don't trust ourselves, how can we let anything good get to us? How can we let something new show up? Or how can we let life be for us? They, all these things. So without a foundational piece of something for it to stand on, I mean, I'm an old car carpenter, and if you don't have a good foundation, the building falls over. Or it slumps, and you're always walking uh, on an uneven floor. So this idea of the vault is, uh, is quite pivotal. And what the vault is, is, is this idea that what I share with you, what I share with you, you hold in confidence. And what you share with me, I hold in confidence. It's an agreement. We have this agreement. Seems simple, doesn't it? Isn't it amazing that we've gone all these years, that the Boy Scouts talked about this, the Ten Commandments speak of it, thou shalt not lie, basically. And here's Brene making a whole career out of Vulnerability, authenticity, integrity, because we can't let a whole lot of good into our lives if we're out of integrity with ourselves. And what happens, what, what happens for me, maybe not for you, but what happens for me is when I'm not in integrity, I, I diminish the quality of my soul. And then my tendency is to live more and more from this sense of my egoic nature. And that just takes me in a spin of opinion. Who's right and who's wrong? So with this vault, she said there's another side of the vault and here's what we where we lose trust with people. So she uses this example. She said if a friend comes up to me and says, do you know what, did you hear what's happened with Caroline? And uh, the friend, of course, will say, no, what's happening? Well, she's going through a divorce and it's really ugly. And we think that her husband's fooling around on her. So has anybody ever had anybody share anything similar to them besides me? But this is a very popular activity. This is commonplace. I mean, if you watch television ever, a lot of what gets, becomes humor on our sitcoms comes out of this sense of the vault being broken. Someone discloses something that is not theirs to share. 
And she said, you have just shared something, going back to this example, now this person has just shared something with me that is not theirs to share. That's not their piece to share. And now my trust for the person that has shared this with me is compromised. You've just given me some, some gossip and something juicy, and now my trust is completely diminished. Because I'll tell you what, if that person is sharing that information with you, that person is sharing all kinds of information that is not theirs to share with everyone. Because it's a way of life. It's just an established pattern. It's an activity. I remember being in ministerial class. I've shared it many times. One of our students, our teacher, Reverend Catherine Yates, and I'm going to talk about her in the next example, used to say, stop gossiping. Stop gossiping. And one of the students that was in the class, her main activity was gossiping. And I used to drive to class with her. And after a while, we finally said, I'm not going to let you do that anymore. I don't want to hear that. Don't be telling me that. And, and she would say, well, what else are we going to talk about? I said, I don't know, but we're not talking about that. How about if we just drive along happily and imagine a better future? But she just couldn't stop. <clears throat> I think she's finally gotten it uh, figured out. But it's not, it's not just that you hold confidence, but you, that I honor and hold confidence as well. See, and here's the thing that happens when, when all of a sudden someone shares something that is not theirs to share. You share with something what is not ours to share in order to hotwire a connection. It's how we create intimacy because we're close now. And the way we, we create it because it's so juicy and we long for connection is we create our closeness is built about talking bad about other people. And Brene has, has given this a definition. She calls it common enemy intimacy. It, we're we're going to pull together here because we all hate the same person. Whew. Wow. Got a place to stand. We want a place to stand. And we want a place to stand where we're righteous. And so let's gather those around us that share that. What we have when we do this is not real. The intimacy we have is built on hating the same people. You see it in politics right now. This is how things get polarized. Let's hate that group over there. Because they're, they're on the far wrong and we're on the far right here. And it's counterfeit trust, this type of trust. It's not real. And what it does at the end of the day had nothing to do with me. I'm not here to tell you to do it or don't do it. You can continue to do it because I don't operate that way. But it diminishes your soul and your capacity to be in intimate relationship with the truth of your being. See, because the only place to place trust, I know this sounds weird and strange, the only thing to trust is our relationship with spirit. People will always disappoint us. People will always have their own agenda doing their own thing. And so how can we stand in the grace and realize that and acknowledge that and go, okay, that's important to them right now and this is how they're behaving. And, and to honor it and do whatever's appropriate but also to not take it on and not make it a battle and go, okay. I mean, that's wisdom. That's staying grounded. There's many opinions out there. Yeah, as, as Brene says, you respect my story and, you, and I respect other people's stories. And it's hard sometimes. I use the example, I've got the uh, Pure Intent class going, and you know, I, we, we were recording the class. I have an agreement with the people that developed the curriculum. And I'm recording the class, and the first week, one of the things I failed to do, and, and one of our TAs reminded me, she said, you know, you didn't ask for permission to do that, and I thought you were so right. So what I did is I went back to the class, and I said, I want to own my error here. I made a mistake last week. I, I mentioned we we're going to record the class. I didn't ask for your permission. So I want to apologize and make amends. And if this is an issue for any of you, please let me know. And if you're uncomfortable sharing in the group, come and see me at the break. 
But what I wanted to do, because even though it seems small and minor and no one objected, I want to keep the, 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 the agreement in integrity. And so it's not hard when we find ourselves slipping out of alignment with integrity to simply go up to someone and make amends and apologize. It's simple. But for many people, it's scary. And so this whole idea of this trust, building the vault of trust is imperative. Because once trust is gone, I'm not sharing anything with you. Why would I want to do that? Brene Brown says we need to find people that have the consciousness and the integrity to share our story with. Because it's important. That's why with practitioners, we have practitioners here. When you work with a practitioner, here's Joseph Gabrielson right here. Now this young man is motivated and inspired to be a minister in our movement. And I'm doing everything I can to support this young man. It is hard for him to get here. He's got to coordinate. He sends me emails when he can't get here. And I always say, Joseph, thanks for trying. Here's a, here's a soul that has shown up with certain unique opportunities that perhaps we can't even imagine. But here's someone that is committed and devoted to a spiritual path. And I've said to him, Joseph, if you're going to do this, you've got to be here. You just have to. That's part of it. And he makes the effort. And so I honor that. And I honor his integrity and his opportunity and what we're giving birth to here. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm honored to be part of that. With practitioners, what we say to practitioners, someone comes in and pours their heart out to you, that that doesn't get shared anywhere. Not even with me. Because it's it's so important that we maintain confidentiality. Confidentiality is a spiritual practice. There are people that do not deserve to have all the information because they can't hold it. Make sense? Because they can't contain it. And it's not that they're bad and wrong, but I'm not going to give my car keys to a 12-year-old. They haven't yet learned how to maneuver in an honorable and integral way. So that's the first point. So, the vault of trust, the foundational piece in this, this idea of the vault, building trust, the common, the common enemy intimacy. Very popular. We all get together because we hate the same thing. I'm not interested in that. It takes you nowhere. Let's write out our list of hates and let's burn it. That's why we have ritual. doesn't mean that those things won't trigger us. Just don't run with it. You may hear the, you may hear the voice, but don't listen. I don't listen to that anymore. No, no, no. I'm changing here and now. And it's always weird and uncomfortable because it's new behavior. So this idea of showing, okay, so the next piece, trust a foundational piece. Let's talk about that. And there's three ideas there, showing up on time, following through, and small things. So I'm going to share a personal story about this with you. I was working with my practitioner, and she was also my ministerial teacher, Reverend Catherine Yates. Reverend Catherine died a number of years ago. She was a remarkable teacher. Little, little church. And I studied with her along with five other students to be a minister. And I, and I worked with her every week. I went in, and she was my practitioner, and I paid the fee, and I was there because I said, i got to get on top of this. I wasn't going to be a minister. I just wanted to get out of that insanity of my life because I grew up with a lot of people that didn't have a lot of skills. We never, and I mean never, they always say never, say never, we never had a deep conversation in my family. We never expressed kindness openly in my family. We were great at sarcasm. We were great at, at uh, having the common enemy. You know, what's the flavor of the month? Who are we going after this month? All, that, all the dysfunctional stuff was so beautifully modeled for me that I didn't have to go out and try and establish that. I already knew what that looked like. I could go down a different path. And so I sat down with her and I said, I just need this to change. 
I needed this suffering and this self-flagellation and the diminishing of my, my uh, belief system and who I am and what I am to be shifted. And I said, I got nowhere else to go because I tried everything. I looked at everything, believe me. I sat in seance circles. I had my palms read. I had the nubs on the top of my head interpreted for me. Everything you can do, I did it. And then I realized that all, all of it was boiled down to consciousness and beliefs. And then I found this teaching. And Dr. Holmes took all the superstition out of it. It is done unto us as we believe. Man, is that the good news. And it's horrible news because we want somebody else to fix it for us. Look, here's, here's my consciousness. I'll be back in three weeks. I'm taking a holiday. But the point was I went in and I said, okay, I need to establish greater trust. How do I do this? And she said, well, first of all, start showing up on time because I was taking classes with her. And it was easy for me because I had excuses. I was busy working. I was running a business. And I said, I will do that. Okay. So I started showing up on time to my meetings, to class. We were doing a lot of classes there. And uh, we did our practitioner studies. I got my practitioner license. And I thought, okay, I love my students. I love my teacher. I'm going to keep doing this. I, I'm not going to do ministry. Who the heck would want to be a minister in science of mind? These people are weird. I just want to get what I need and get the heck out the door. So that was my belief at the time. So I started showing up on time. <clears throat> and then she said, follow through with stuff you're going to do. And if you can't, do it. Renegotiate it, own it, like I just modeled for you with my class. I made a mistake. I, I own this. I apologize. I want to make amends. Let's make this right. Let's get back into integrity. So then what we do is we have more energy free to be about the business of why we're there. Because all that does is when we're out of integrity and we don't trust one another, nobody shares. Nobody says anything. Mm, let's go find my team that, that we have the common enemy. I'll share with them because they get me. And it's juicy because it's full of energy. It's just not productive. It's very, very incestuous. So anyway, she said to me, and then she said, find small things that you can do to build trust. Find small things. So what I did is I figured out, number one, so we went into the ministerial studies two and a half years, every Tuesday night for two and a half years. That's a lot of Tuesdays. I made two agreements with myself. I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to compromise. Sometimes I got to hold this stuff close because we share it and the, the energy goes out. Just keep that in mind. So I said, I'm going to be on time for every class and I'm not going to miss a class. I didn't say a word to anybody. Two and a half years go by. We're finishing up class. Reverend Catherine gets up in front of us, the small class, but we were really close. We had a lot of trust. We, we had each other's back. And she said, you know, there's one person in this class that has not missed a class in two and a half years. There's one person here that has been on time. I made sure I was there 10 minutes early for every class. Didn't matter what I was doing, that was my priority. I, was, I had a cabinet shop going, I was remodeling kitchens and taking care of things, and man, I could work around the clock if I wanted to. I had an abundance of work. Anyway, I did that for two and a half years. At the end of that, she got up and said, there's that one person's done this. And I was so fulfilled that someone noticed I was just and it was a small thing but it was I made it a priority I made it precious and I loved being in that class and even if I didn't have my homework which was always like walking on pins and needles because I just you know if I didn't have my homework done and she said Patrick Cameron are you ready to do your presentation I say no I'm sorry I don't have I'm not prepared 
He said, next week. No more further discussion. She said, I'm not here to, you know, she wasn't there to punish or blame or shame. She just didn't have that energy. She just say, next week. You'll be ready next week? I said, yes, I will. And I'd be ready next week. If I wasn't ready next week, I'd call and say, hey, I'm not ready this week. Letting you know. She'd say, catch up. I will. But we kept, the, we kept the conversation current in integrity. There was no doubt what was happening. And it was in those small things that the trust started to build within me. I can, I can trust myself in this. I've made a commitment and I've followed through on it. It doesn't have to be life-altering in a, in, a, in, in a huge way. It is those small moments where we build this. Brene Brown talks about that too, how trust is built. It is in the small moments. It's the people that show up at the funeral without anything said because they're there energetically for you. It's the, all those little things that we can do. So pretty soon, all of a sudden, people go, man, that so-and-so, man, you can count on that person. That's money in the bank when they take something on. And you know people like that. Because it's important. And the reason it's important is not because we're trying to get others' approval. It's because it amplifies the opportunity for our soul and our spirit and our divine connection to be expressed. And when we're not in alignment with that, it can't to the fullness of what's possible. So we don't have the Ten Commandments here. We don't ask people to come in to the confessional because there's something inherently wrong with you. We don't teach original sin. We believe that what's happened is we are born into a world that lives in ignorance. And ignorance isn't a bad thing, it's just a thing. Once again, take the charge off of it. But what a blessing, Reverend Catherine, in those simple things. Just show up on time, do what you say you're gonna do. If you can't do it, renegotiate and find small ways to build trust. So what small way can you build trust? The third thing today is this idea of I'll take better. Or I guess I reworded it in the wee hours, trusting in life. But it's about taking better, which is momentum, better is good, and the relentless optimism. So I wanna share with you a, a, a a lesson by, uh, or a, a, a speech by President, former President Barack Obama. And he met it in New York City with a, a group of uh, young entrepreneurs. And uh, uh, Bill Gates was there. Justin Trudeau spoke there. Um, someone dressed me down standing in the reception line that I brought up all these names. And what I did was I just stood and listened. I just thought, wow, is this guy pissed off at these people? Who do we reach to? I said, would you like me to get up and use a, a Donald Trump speech? I'm confused. And it was just an, an, a cynicism. It was a cynicism, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, just about the political system. And I can understand how you can adopt that. So I, I just listened. I thought, okay, he's captured me here at the door, and we're going to... And I just let it blow through me. I just thought, I get it. He's just draining energy. That's how we drain energy. I was helping him drain energy. Was my, th- that's the story I made up about it. I didn't agree with it. I just was present and listened and let it blow through me. And I thought, wow, this is good that he's blowing this through me here and draining it so he doesn't take it out in the, in the, in the world. So I was in service. I was like, wow, this guy needs to get this off his chest. I agreed with none of it. I don't think there was one thing he said I agreed with, but I thought, wow, isn't this interesting? This is, but this is the vulnerability, see? I think I'm going to get up and talk about something valuable and somebody's got a, a bone to pick with it, and it's perfect. 
It's not a problem, but God bless it. I'm so grateful for my teachers and spiritual practice to realize this has nothing to do with me. I've triggered something here. And then, and, and then the energy gets drained. Bring it on, man. Otherwise, I'd have been back there in a fist fight and you guys would be listening to somebody else speak right now. But I mean, that is the other option if we take it out to the other end. But anyway, President Obama, Justin Trudeau, whether you like him or not, I'm going to tell you the story. And you can do it, whatever you want with it. And you need one, talk to me about it back there, I'll be there for you. We'll drain some energy together. And so he went before a group of people in New York City. It's very recent, and it's a group called the Goalkeepers. And these are young people. These are people that care about the planet. They're people that are looking at the world. And he brought up, Bill, Bill Gates was being there, and he talked about speaking to Bill Gates about global warming. And there's still controversy. There's, most scientists agree that, that we are impacting global warming. I would say we're impacting global warming by consciousness more so than anything. I think the weather reflects the turmoil that is going on globally. You think consciousness isn't powerful. Look what's happening. So anyway, uh, and so he, Obama said, you know, we're, Bill and I got together, and, and Bill's much better at a lot of this stuff than I am. But he said that, what Bill Gates shared with him is that a lot of what's happening now with the global warming, we have technology and we need to develop new technologies. We need to develop new technologies to help calm this. And that's our opportunity. And there are probably technologies already out there that we could use. Who knows? But the point is, is that we're not stuck. That we are capable of meeting and moving through any obstacle. We have. So Bill says, yeah, it's going to be hard. Bill Gates says, yeah, it's going to be hard, but we can do it. And Obama said, hey, that was my campaign speech. Yes, you can. So here's, a, here's an attitude of yes, you can. The, and it's the attitude that we can make things better. And so right now, individually and collectively, it's our opportunity to realize that despite what's going on out there, we can make things better. To move forward and make our mark upon the world in ways, as he said, that we cannot even imagine. See, this is our language as a tribe. To move forward and do things we cannot even imagine is the possibility. So when we're in, more, in greater integrity and alignment with ourselves and the truth of our being and who we are and whose we are, we have a greater opportunity to be part of that conversation, part of that activity. He said to look at the world and reject the notion that there are forces we cannot control. So isn't it fascinating that there's, through the history, if you look at the United States, there have been president after president after president that have believed in, in meaningful connection with other countries and nations, and in some form of collaboration, of a partnership, of, of a language, of some have even said, you know, one planet, one people, and all this stuff that freaks people out at times, depending on where you're standing. And now we have a group of people that come up and say, all that stuff's wrong. All that, that generosity of spirit and collaboration doesn't work. Well, for a few hundred years, it's worked pretty well. Because as Obama says, if you look at the world, if you look at the conditions that we're in right now, if you look at life 50 years ago compared to today, it's better than it ever has been. He said when he works with young people, that's what he's doing now, and he says to the young people, what time would you like to be born into if you look back through history? He said to a person, they all say, I want to be born today. Because we've never had the opportunities we have today. We got problems. If you look at the last 30 years, we're still better off today than we were 30 years ago, 10 years ago. And as Obama said to his staff over and over again when he was in office, it's better. He said, better's good. He said, I'll take better every day of the week. 
better is a good thing. He said, and these people that are doing this work and pushing this forward, understand, you're not going to get everything you want today, right now. But they still keep pushing forward. And it's normal people. It's teachers. It's entrepreneurs. It's moms and dads that care deeply about improving the quality of life for their children and their grandchildren. It's an army of people that are moving this forward. And so when we look at it, as he says, there are forces out there that would say we can't control this. And, but if we embrace the longer and more optimistic view of history and the part that we play in it, we, we don't slide into that cynicism. He would repeatedly tell his staff, by every measure, we're better off. By every measure that you can look at, we're better off. The world has never been healthier. This, and we get, of course, we can do better. It's never been wealthier. We can do better with that. It's never been better educated, more tolerant. There are women now that actually have an opportunity to be educated. More women now than ever before. Are there still women that are not allowed in education? Yes. And there's work to do. But there are more today than ever before. Despite the conflicts that break our hearts, the terrorism, the mass immigrations that are going on, the the misogyny, the, the bias against people of a different color and a different country, the biases with religion, all those things are are still alive, but we have never been better off. They are people, there's doctors, leaders, clergy, teachers, moms, dads who mobilize and actionize, ordinary people who push for change. This is our opportunity. They knew that they would not get everything they wanted as fast as they wanted because progress requires struggle, perseverance, discipline, and faith. Sometimes for every two steps forward, you take one step back, but that's life. But they made things better, and better, as he said, is good. Better is our opportunity. The engagement of everyone who wants to see a better future for our children. Progress is one. It is never inevitable, and it is maintained, and it has to be maintained, as he said, by a willingness to roll up our sleeves and do the work required. Are you contributing to something proactive and generative and creative? Or have you just decided that you've identified the enemy and you're going to get together in your small group, and then you're going to share that energy? You have, that, you have that choice. There's a forward momentum. And he said, sometimes it feels like it's going backwards. The test, as he said, is when things are tough. When you're in your, when you're in, on, in your field or on the ground and people are resistant, they don't want to do it. They don't want to be part of it. How do you respond when you're doing the work and people are undermining your efforts? Criticizing. Purposely trying to sabotage and defeat you. How do you do your work? Because that's the test. That's the test. We see it right now. Here's a guy in power right now that is attempting to dismantle everything that this president ever touched, as if that's his agenda. Oh, health care? And as he said, we knew when we passed health care it wasn't perfect. We knew it needed improvements and adjustments. I mean, this is, this is life, but we got something in place and millions of people got health care that didn't have it before. And you know, the controversy around that. You know, there's attitudes. You know, there's an attitude alive on the planet. It's every man for himself. And every man for himself will, will, will crush us. So, as, as Obama says, how do we respond to this? He said we must reject cynicism and reject pessimism and to push forward with a certain infectious and relentless optimism. Not a blind optimism, not one that ignores the scale and the scope of challenges, but the very real progress that is rooted in the stories throughout human history. If we doubt this, look back 50 years, despite the political climate. Look back 30 years. 
I mean, it was not too long ago that, that people were kept as slaves. Not too long ago that women were not allowed to vote. We're still fighting for equal pay for, for genders. Throughout human history, and to recognize that our success, though sometimes very small, they accumulate. Remember I talked about building trust, small, small pieces? Our successes accumulate. They accumulate, bit by bit, piece by piece. And what he says is that can lead to some girl somewhere who'll get an education she might not otherwise have. And that girl could change a family. And enough girls can change a nation. Or that farmer who cultivates a crop to feed his family, and if enough farmers do this, they not only feed their families, they feed a nation. This is how it's done. And that's what we're fighting for in every moment. Each new generation stands on the success of the past generations, and we do. It's a relay race we're running. We've been handed the baton. Each generation reaches up, standing on shoulders of the previous generation. And if we keep pushing forward in this relentless optimism and understanding that better is good and it takes time and we keep rolling up our sleeves and doing what we're about here that's important, our future is looking pretty good. So don't let the pessimism and the cynicism and the anger and the frustration capture your attention and your energy because it's not going to take you anywhere purposeful or meaningful. If we truly understood who we are, that we are the, the thing itself in form and we lived from that, lived from that deep place of love, integrity, to understand we're invincible, absolutely invincible. And not because we want to power, have power over someone, but just it's the truth of who we are. And so when it comes at you, when you stand at the reception line and someone needs to drain the energy, I don't have to deflect. I don't have to take any of that. It's not mine to carry. But I can honor it and be present and listen. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to argue. I don't have to change his mind. But I'm not going to go home and have that for lunch. He's somewhere right now having it for lunch, guarantee. And I have compassion for that. And, 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 and it's remarkable that how someone can sit here for half an hour and then have that discussion with me at the end. And I thought, wow, I thought I was making a difference. But I can't measure it by that. I do the talk that makes a difference for me. I'm here to change my consciousness. I'm not responsible for your healing or your consciousness. I can only be in service to that awakening and help you the best way I can. We've got our cue process coming up here in another couple weeks. We've got to, and we want to get this community moving forward and getting out of this trapped energy of this pessimism and cynicism and moving forward and giving birth. Are we better off than we were 10 years ago or 15 years ago? I can point to all thing, kinds of things that are be- we're better off with here. You know, last, last year we, we stuck almost $200,000 into our physical facility. You know, the, we have heat going on right now. There's all kinds of things that, that we've been able to nurture and, and care for. But we're not here about a building. This is just where we meet. We're here about consciousness. In 10 years, maybe there are no buildings where we do this. Maybe it's all online. I don't know. But I want to be of service to what's most effective. I'm not here to protect a tradition. I'm not here to protect a facility. I want to care for it because it's mine to care for along with you. And it's precious and it's beautiful and I love it and I appreciate it. 
But at the end of the day, we're here about our consciousness. We're here about handing the baton to the next generation and say, you go, baby. We brought you this far, you go. Now it's your opportunity. Man, you go. That's what we're here for. And so it's beautiful. We're going to bring this program in, the Q process. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to drop this. This is precious, is important. We're ready. And you're ready. And we're going to continue to offer it and continue to nurture our community so that when all of a sudden we get triggered, we, get a, we have tools in our tool bag to deal with that effectively and powerfully. So it's exciting. We can't get this wrong. Look, we have eternity. If we don't get this right this lifetime, you guys may not agree with this, but I, I think it's true. If we stay pissed off and angry and bitter through this lifetime, we get to try it again. We go through another incarnation. This is what the Hindus and the Buddhists say over and over and over again. It's the samsara of this. But when we start to wake up and realize, wow, man, look at that. Did I get triggered there? Bless this guy that came up and confronted me today. I didn't get triggered once. I'm like, man, I got done. I go, man, you're doing good. I mean, really, I just thought, wow, to be able to stay in grace and just listen and, and watch and look in his eyes. I don't know. It just seemed like the best thing to do and not take it on and not fight it and not fix it. But what would the world look like if we were able to go out and be ambassadors for that? Not just here. Here it's easy because we're all kind of like in the same tribe. Out there. If you look at the great avatars, the great teachers of history, they've done it. These things I have done, you shall do an even greater. So you are beautiful. You are absolutely beautiful. You are perfect just the way you are. You don't need to change a thing. But you can, because you're loved. You're not going to earn love because you're already loved. And what ideas are you carrying? What beliefs are you carrying that are limiting the fullness of experience and the fullness of life? And it's an ideal. You know, I used to think I'll do this teaching for 20 years, I'll become master of time, space, and dimension, and then I'll go vacation in Europe, you know? It's ongoing. It's a journey. My life is so much better because of what I've given to this teaching. My life is so much better to be invited into this community and, and to watch all of humanity show up and challenge and make me question my motivations and who I am and whose I am. But I'll tell you what, I trust the God presence within myself like never before. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I have better discernment when I hear things come at me that are not mine to pick up. And that is such a gift. That is a treasure. That is abundance. Because then I have the energy to be about the things that I cherish and I care for and I love. And to have compassion for myself like never before. And I want that for you. I want that for the whole world. And that's what we're here to be relentlessly optimistic about and to give birth to. So thank you for being part of that. There's no accident that we're here together having this conversation because you're having a conversation this way with me and guiding me and inspiring me. You are my inspiration watching you go through your challenges and struggles and, and staying on and keeping on. You're beautiful. You are the face of God. Thanks so much and so it is. <laughs>